It's time for the March 18th, 2022 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review. A personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history broadcasting on this full moon Friday from the University of California at Irvine in the backyard of KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kessler. And always the man with the child in his eyes, <laughs> Mahler, the fake news dog. There he is. Good boy. Today, yeah. we'll be talking about being careful what you asked for. Okay. Time, allergies, Chernobyl's longest night shift, Ai Weiwei, again, and then some, but first. It's time to play What Would You Rather Be? Oh, okay. What would you rather be, Mike? Okay. A toad or a frog? <laughs> well, that's I, a tough one, yeah, huh? It is a tough one. Frogs uh, have long legs. Okay. They're longer than their head or the body. Okay. They're together. They're longer than, okay. Toads, on the other hand, have much shorter legs and prefer to crawl rather than hop. Okay. You know, like... And frogs have smooth, somewhat slimy skin. Yeah. Toads have dry, warty skin. What would you rather be? I'd rather be a frog. Yeah. I don't think there's any question. I think most people would rather be a frog. Yeah. I mean, toads have a kind of a persona of being friendly and maybe even wise uh -huh. or something. They have a little bit more of a bearing to them. Frogs seem to me to be a little more energetic as, and, yeah. and have, maybe, I don't know, what, do you, what would you prefer? What would I prefer? Yeah. Hmm. I think a frog. Yeah. I like yeah. the long legs and jumping. They're part. a little, yeah, they're more athletic, yeah. I would think. Yeah. I mean, the idea that a toad crawls kind yeah. of sets me off on a crow right, yeah. uh, a toad right away. Yeah. And toad, the name kind of sounds, I don't know, it's it's stuck. It's toad. Yeah. It, it's toady. Yeah. It kind of has that connotation. Tow that toad away. Yeah, toad. From the New York Times, the toxin that makes cane toads so poisonous is causing them to become cannibals. <laughs> They're eating their youngest, but only in Australia. Only the Australian cane toads are doing this. So we're, we're seeing some kind of evolutionary change in Australia with cane toads. They're native to South America and Central America, and they were introduced in Australia in 1935 by scientists who hoped they would bring down the number of cane beetles, which were causing problems for uh, Australia's sugar cane farmers. Gotcha. Yeah, it's not like cane toads are walking around with canes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they like they like sugar. They like sugar. Yeah. They like to crawl around looking for sugar. With lots of prey and no predators able to withstand their poison, the toads quickly got busy. <laughs> yeah. There are now tens of millions of cane toads in Australia. Wow. This is since 1935. <laughs> They're an invasive pest, however, that has squeezed native amphibians out of habitats yeah. there. A new study published this month in the journal Ecology and Evolution found that cane toad tadpoles in Australia developed an insatiable appetite when they're exposed to a toxin found in their eggs. Hmm. It's the same toxin that makes the toads poisonous. 
Gotcha. Okay, you got yeah. that? Yeah. All right. Now they're cannibals <laughs> because of that. They have this insatiable appetite. They're eating their young. The fact that cane toads have been able to evolve this cannibalistic behavior in such a short time is unbelievable. Yeah said Michael Crossland, a research fellow at the University of Sydney, who is also a, uh, the author of the study, yeah. or an author. Yeah. It's evolution in fast motion. Wow. Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, the mom, da mom and dad toad are sitting around thinking, you know, what's for dinner? And, and dad says, Chad. Yeah, Chad. Let's say, toad. Chad looks, looks pretty good to, uh -huh. us, to me right now. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what I hope. I hope that our dog oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> doesn't have any, yeah, right. Yeah. That he doesn't have any uh, yeah. desires to become cannibalistic. No, I hope Although not. Although he's looking pretty tasty over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any allergies, Mike? No. No? no None at all? Nothing. Nothing? No. no. I mean, if the usual, if there's dust in the air or you know some whatever it is pollen in the air yeah i might you have a reaction of some a little sort. bit but nothing that's chronic how about you yeah oh you know me yeah yeah i was yeah. born allergic yeah i know and you allergic. you seem to I'm have allergic to this world uh, you know you seem to have overcome some of your allergies a lot of them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay they say that once you you know you get old <laughs> That there's nothing left to live for. So you just give up your allergies. I've never had any food allergies. And oh, I, yeah. I know you, you have yeah, experienced that. Yeah. But then I overcame them, like you, yeah, you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think some of it was because, like, my mother would just gorge on chocolates. Mm -hmm. And when I was young, mm -hmm. you know, but when I was young, when I was inside of her. Okay. Yeah. And then I came out, and I was, every time I'd eat chocolate, I'd break out in a rash. But I had an insatiable desire just like these toads mm. or the poison, I had it for chocolates. And I'd break out and nobody would say, oh, it's the chocolate. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, I'm a little five-year-old. I'm not going to think yeah. it's the chocolate because the chocolate was good. Yeah. And finally, yeah. I discovered on my own, yeah. no thanks to my parents. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, I, but no thank you. I stopped eating chocolate. Yeah. And I didn't get these... Uh, rashes you know yeah. my skin would itch yeah. my mouth would break out in sores yeah but then i didn't when like i didn't curse. have chocolate yeah okay okay but then i underwent a transformation and now i eat chocolate i yeah it was i think i purged myself of my mother <laughs> well i i was surprised when you brought it up a few years yeah. ago that you like chocolate after that by the way rumor has it that uh I can't confirm this, but I was told that my mother was taking amphetamines when she was pregnant with me because back in that period of time, mother's little helpers were considered good for not gaining who, weight. Who was saying this? People. <laughs> credible, you know, credible source. Reliable. people would Reliable sources within the family. Your father. I'm not going to name names, but... Okay. but, but uh, that, she was uh, taking... Methamphetamines. Not methamphetamines, <laughs> but at the time they were called Mother's Little Helpers. They were of diet right. pills. And in, I guess, in, as you can tell, in massive quantities. But Doctor, it, please. Doctor, please. Some more, more of these. Please. From yeah. the Associated yeah. Press, climate yeah. change has already made allergy season longer and pollen counts higher. And it's only getting started. 
going to get worse. Climate scientists at the University of Michigan looked at 15 different plant pollens in the United States and used computer simulations to calculate how much worse allergy season will likely get by the year 2100. Yeah. As we get hotter, allergy season will start and end later. Uh, it'll be worse while it lasts with pollen levels that could as much as triple in some places. Plants will be blooming over a longer period of time. Yes, That's why. Yes, Meanwhile, carbon dioxide in the air from burning fuels like coal, gasoline, and natural gas helps plants. Uh, they will produce more pollen. Yeah. It's already happening. Yeah. A study a year ago from different researchers found that from 1990 to 2018, pollen has increased and allergy season is starting earlier, with much of it because of climate change. The report concluded that this will absolutely have substantial health consequences in allergies and asthma for Americans. May I say, Nathan, uh -huh. that of all the things that are going to be happening in the next 45 to 50 years, yeah. more allergies is not going to be very, it's not going to make the top 10. You don't, you say that when you, why, you and you, why, to, you're, you're making fun of this story? I'm not making fun of this what story. What if we have another pandemic? No, no, I'm not it making fun of this story. Pandemic. I'm just saying in terms of... Allergies yeah. might be the instigator of a huge outbreak. Like a carrier. Like the more we're sneezing and expelling things from our... Because of the allergies. We'll be the carriers. We'll It'll be, just be the accelerator. That's what I'm trying oh. to get to. All I'm saying is in... on the, I can in the, see allergies hitting the headlines. Every week. Forget about Ukraine. Yeah, forget Ukraine, yeah. Forget. We're all sneezing here. Everyone will be a vector, is what yeah. you're saying. What if that happened? Yeah. What if every, every you walked anywhere you walked, and just people were just sneezing, wheezing, and coughing, and sneezing, and wheezing, eyes yeah. bulging yeah. from the fluid spilling out of them? Okay, it's, it's all right. If the... it's that way, yeah. you're right. It will make the top ten list of things we should be worried about. I think. If this news makes you want to sneeze, may I recommend a donation to KUCI because. God bless you. God bless you. Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. Wow, Robert. Got the squeak toy. Whew. He loves that squeak toy. Get, get. He loves get it. Him. Yeah, he get every him. week he's just chewing on that thing like like a frog, like a cane toad. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is kind of a little frog. Yeah, you know? yeah, it is. He's get your toe monitor. Get I, it. I hope he does. Yeah, good boy. <laughs> From grist. Yeah, grist. 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 Scientists are increasingly worried about allergies. <laughs> Did you turn the pages on this? Yeah. Did you? Uh, this, a, I, I decided just to go with allergies. You're going, this here. is on the... <laughs> Scientists are increasingly worried about uh, that 5G, you know, that oh, 5G, 5G stuff. The bandwidth there. Yeah, that's... With all uh, that mobile device bandwidth that, that, will come at a cost, yeah. our ability to forecast the weather quickly and accurately. Mm. And that ties into climate change, too. Yeah. The radio wave frequency used by wireless cellular networks is close to the ones used to monitor atmospheric conditions. The 24 gigahertz band is increasingly being used for telecommunications, notably for 5G cellular mm -hmm. networks. Mm -hmm. That's 24 gigahertz. The nearby 23.8 
That's pretty close. Yeah, gigahertz. It's kind of like KUCI and KCRW. Yeah. Yeah. Bastards. The nearby 23.8 gigahertz band is reserved for scientific purposes, including weather satellites. As these two spectrum bands come under greater use, they can interfere, making weather and climate information slower to come by and less accurate. Mm -hmm. This would degrade the forecast skill by up to 30 percent, said Neil Jacobs, former acting National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration administrator. That's a lot to say. Yeah. That's a big, An administration long... administrator. Yeah, that's a lot of things to say about somebody He's right just there. not an underling no, in the administration. No, he's, he's an administration he's a guy administrator. administrator. That's yeah. a... There aren't too many people that can say that. This would result in the reduction of hurricane track forecast lead time by roughly two to three days. Wow. Just in time for climate change. Just in time for... Yeah. The government could limit spectrum band interference with a buffer zone to make sure your 5G doesn't slow down the 23.8 gigahertz band. Out-of-band emissions could be reduced. But right now, however, there is no funding allocated for NASA's or NOAA's joint satellite missions to provide the technology for that. You know, I'm having a real problem with 5G now. Now that I, the more I hear about them, well, I'm saying oh, that you mean, you're feeling uncomfortable about our fear, move to 5G. I have a 5G. fear now of yeah. 5G because uh, first 5G. Of all, uh, yeah. Don't ever, <laughs> ever do that again. The, the, the other thing is, didn't they have a problem? Weren't they initially pretty concerned about the impact it was going to have on planes? taking yeah, off yeah, and yeah. landing. Well, Wasn't communications that... in general. In general, yeah, yeah. but that's certainly something you want to... You yeah, know, they're to... working this out with, with the yeah. airlines. They did on that. They, yeah, they worked that out. And I'm sure they'll, they'll probably work this out too, but I'm just adding to the Yeah, uh, to the paranoia so... and the, the, the fever. No, the concern, because once, in, you know, say Joe fear. Biden's at yeah. home, he's yeah. tuning in right now. Well, right. Well, that's and the he's other... hearing this yeah. broadcast. Yeah, yeah. He's thinking, huh, huh, I better get on this. Where's my national security advisor exactly. when I need him? And the other thing that it also I'm concerned about with 5G is it's, it's going to be dialing in on the chip that was in my my vaccine for COVID. And so I'm, I'm a little concerned about, you know, the impact it's going to have on them telecommunicating to me through my vaccine. From The Guardian, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency is poised to... Did you just say that you were concerned about it dialing in? Yeah, that the 5G is going to dial into the microchip that was in my vaccine for COVID. Everybody knows this, Nathan. I thought you were... Have you been talking to your dad again? (laughs) He and Tucker Carlson have been talking a lot about this, you know. Has Tucker Carlson talked about... No, he's talking about how... he's. Well, he was talking about how much he loves... Vladimir Putin. Now, well, yeah, but now, I'm now, talking about 5G. 5G. I, I don't. He had. He was on every night talking about COVID, not necessarily the microchip thing, but just about how, how it was about our freedom. No, I know that. I. Uh, but I'm just saying, no. as as uh, no. Hunter Tucker, <laughs> as he talked about any of this 5G in interfering with uh with the anything. microchip and the covid shot no oh, whatever you know yeah, yeah. chips in your brain yeah, or... i don't even no i don't no, know no, i don't I, unfortunately uh, you're talking about tucker carlson the um the trust fund baby the spoiled yeah, yeah tucker carlson. carlson the trust fund the spoiled yeah. uh-huh. pampered elitist uh-huh 
who trust tries to baby. act like a populist. Yeah. yeah, trust fund baby. Yeah, that's what I'm talking to. And then he hasn't. I, done not that, that I know. I, I don't always listen to it. I listen to it when I have to. Yeah. You know, going into well, the kitchen. Your your going, father has twenty TVs in the yeah, house. Yeah, he has. And he, he he's never. And... My dad is never more than twenty feet from a TV. Uh, never. He has it in his bathroom. Bathroom. His bedroom. bedroom. His living room, living room. His and the kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. His kitchen. Yeah, that's it. Does he have one outside? He, that's the side of the house he lives on. I live on the other side. I have one TV yeah. that I have to walk to to get to. Yeah. I don't. It's not in my room. Huh. But, uh, yeah, never more than 20 feet away from a TV. But he watches the Lakers. No. He doesn't watch Lakers? No, he doesn't watch sports. He thinks basketball, uh, basketball players and football players are traitors because they were kneeling during the national anthem. They were kneeling? Yeah. They don't do it so much anymore, but they were, and therefore he will So never. now they're traitors. He, he never watches them. But what about this 5G thing? Oh, I, yeah, he, he, no, I don't know. From The Guardian, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency is poised to allow the use of four of the most devastating chemicals to bees, butterflies, and other insects to continue in America for the next 15 years. Despite moves by the European Union, to ban the use of toxins that have been blamed for widespread insect declines. That's right. The plan will extend the use of amidacloprin, thiamitoxin, clothiamidin, and uh, dinotefiron on U.S. farmland for the next 15 years, even though the EPA has noted the very organization that's going to okay it has said ecological risks of concern, particularly to pollinators in Aquatic invertebrates are caused by these. Of all the things in the world that we could be should be beating up on, yeah. bees, bees? really. Yeah. These four insecticides are all neonicotinoids, yes. a class of chemicals that is widely used on crops to treat them for pests, but has been found to cause devastation among non-target insects, uh, like bees. Like bees. They're just all insects down there, and they're getting sprayed. Yeah. They're. Therefore, the four chemicals have been restricted in Canada, and the European Union has banned their outdoor use. But of apparently, course. we're not going to do anything like that. Now, states like Connecticut and New Jersey have enacted some curbs on neonicotinoids. The U.S. federal government is set to bend to pressure, though, from farming groups and pesticide makers to poison our bee friends and screw up our future. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this, is, this feels like... Regulatory capture. This feels like uh, Monsanto, Bayer, some of the big chemical companies yeah. that are able to just essentially impose their will on the American government. Well, they got a lot of money, and yeah. our laws are being made by people who, because of our system, require money to get elected, and, yeah. and that's the way it goes, I guess. It's frustrating. It is. What do you think about bees, Mahler? You got anything going on? Yeah? No. I love bees. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, well, that's too bad. Mahler said he tried to eat one the other day. <laughs> and it bit him. In his mouth. In his mouth. Well, yeah. Hey, he had it coming. It swelled up, Mahler? Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He couldn't eat those cane toads like he likes to after that. Couldn't eat it. We don't have any cane. Oh, that's here. over in Australia. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Never mind. Thank you. The Lake Powell update Ugh. is brought to you by KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, from the Salt Lake City Tribune. 
As predicted by us, southern Utah's Lake Powell has fallen below a critical level. Remember, we were talking about yes, that. Yes, I do. You said it, yeah. Now they're below the critical level that soon could threaten its ability to produce hydropower. We're at the warning stage now of that. So that uh, on Tuesday, the reservoir officially sank below a threshold of 325 feet above sea level. That's how they measure it. It's the sea level thing. They're not measuring the depth. They're measuring the sea level. A critical level, the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation has predicted wouldn't happen until August. It's March. Mm. Things are speeding up. Mm. The decline threatens water supplies and hydroelectricity for 40 million people from upper Colorado River Basin states like Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, and New Mexico. Below 3,490 feet. Now, that's only, uh, what do we got here, 35 feet more yeah. from uh, sea level. The Glen Canyon Dam's turbine wouldn't be able to pull enough water to generate any electricity. Yeah. I don't know what to say to that, except that, you know, it's something you and I have been talking about on this program for 20 years. Uh-huh. And it is, it is just, it's beyond comprehension to imagine not only the power supply, but also the fact that water is going away as a renewable resource in the western part of the United States, yeah. essentially. It will be unsustainable for the, how many millions and millions of people live on this side of the Rockies. Where are you going to move to? That's a great question. Catalina. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be much better. I don't know. I wonder how they are doing out there. I don't know. From MIT Technology Review, researchers have su suggested fighting climate change by planting trees to suck carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. You know that. Mm -hmm. They've told us to plant more trees. Mm -hmm. But a bleak new report. We're bleak around here. We got a lot of bleak news. Like we should call our show the Bleak Report. <laughs> a bleak new report from the UN's climate panel stresses that relying heavily on these approaches could present risks as well. Mm -hmm. Growing trees in natural open grasslands where they don't belong can reduce water flow in streams and increase the intensity of fires. That's right. It can even contribute to global warming because grasses reflect away more heat than forests do. Yes. Draining peatlands for the purpose of planting trees can release vast amount of greenhouse gas from these rich natural carbon sinks. Right. They've been doing that around the world. Right. They're just not right. pulling things randomly. So if you want to plant a tree to fight climate change, always consider where the hell you're planting it. Yeah. Yeah. I often wonder about the trees around here, too. It really I don't know if it disrupts any of that, but there's so many effing trees in Irvine. They just get, they get planted in parking lots. Yeah. And I guess I'm supposed to feel like I'm in a, you know, a garden, but mm -hmm. I can't even walk to places because they got a hedge running right through the middle of the parking lot. Right. And I guess that's eye candy. That's all it could be. Yeah. There's nothing else going on here. It's not helping with a goddamn thing. It's eating up water. Yeah. They got trees growing everywhere. Yeah. Some parking lots must have like a hundred trees in them. And I don't think I'm exaggerating. And yes. this, this land was not a forest. Right. This, this, these trees do absorb a lot of water. It requires a lot of water to maintain. And what do they do with the climate too? I've got to wonder. No, you're right. You're right. The other thing, very quickly, and that is 
we could plant more trees, but again, there are a lot of trees in California, but there's these tree farms, and we talked about this some time ago. These tree farms are essentially, they pack the trees together when they grow them for mm -hmm. commercial purposes. And if a fire does occur, they become essentially fire bombs because yeah. they're condensing all of this material into a very, very small place. And that's what happened in Paradise, California, was yeah. a tree farm that was located a few miles above the town essentially blew up and within i think they said 20 minutes the fire had spread down to the town wow. and that was it they didn't have any time so there are there are there's got to be ways to manage it there's that's manage it and allow nature to run its course as well man are we ever bleak this is bleak stuff yeah it's okay Mahler. you're listening to kuci 88.9 fm irvine california visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on facebook at facebook.com slash kuci 88.9 on our tumblr blog at kuciradio.tumblr.com and on twitter and instagram at kuci fm from our good friend michael hiltzik Mm -hmm. at the Los Angeles Times. We're going to talk about Sarah Bloom Raskin right now, the uh, Federal Reserve Board pick, Biden's Federal Reserve Board pick. Who was uh, of some controversy of her appointment, as I Well, it shouldn't have been. Right. It's the goddamn fossil fuel barons. They killed her reserve pick. She killed her uh, nomination because she talked sense about climate change. Here's what's going on now. Bad things are happening in the world. We're causing them. It's called the climate crisis. Yes. But people who are making money selling things, making the climate crisis worse, are preventing us from doing anything about it. They're winning right now. I don't know if they're, you know, if, well, if, they're, if it's a draw. It's, yeah. No, the, the, the thing with the Ukraine, the Ukraine war right now, uh -huh. one of the consequences of it is that that gasoline has become more and more expensive. It's become a more valuable. I don't know if that's a consequence of that. Though, you know, I don't think that Russia, okay. you know, if you took take Russia's fuel out of it, I think we could do fine without it. So you think there's some like manipulation? It's, a, it's a oil companies. Yeah. They're raising the prices. This yeah. is an opportunity for them to make up because it happens to coincide with us pulling a little bit out of the pandemic. Right. I don't even want to go there right. as far as whether we really are or not. But we're pulling out of the right. pandemic. Gas gas was not even being used. It fell to an all-time low right. just, uh, what was that, about a year and a half ago. Yeah. And they lost money. The oil companies were losing a little bit of money. Now they want to make back up for it. And they have, they're reaping in huge profits right, right now right. because they're raising the prices. Right. Well, and the other thing also is they're screaming bloody murder about more exploration. Yeah. More, more fossil fuel. Yeah. to be put into the environment. Raskin, Sarah Bloom Raskin, withdrew her nomination by President Joe Biden to be the Fed's vice chair for supervision on Tuesday. Her withdrawal wasn't prompted by questions about her qualification or experience. Raskin had overwhelming approval from the Senate when she was appointed to the Fed's Board of Governors in 2010. It's bipartisan approval. Yeah. And again, when President Obama named her deputy Deputy, Deputy Treasury Secretary in 2014. The problem is she won't cooperate with big oil and do what they want. Her nomination was killed by the fossil fuel industry and its caucus in the Senate. 
pretty so, much meaning uh, Republicans, but also Joe, Joe Manchin. Manchin. Yes. Who said, Manchin said that she had failed to satisfactorily address my concerns about the critical importance of financing in all of the above energy policy to meet our nation's critical energy needs. What a crock of crap. He, he, yeah, he's, well. All of our, uh, what, are we, are we considering uh, maybe mouse energy? You know, little, we have little, yeah, uh, little, you know, treadmills for mice. That's, that's, why aren't we addressing that concern for energy needs? And I know I'm being silly here, but the reason we're not addressing all of the above energy policies is because one of those energy policies is destroying the planet. That's yeah. why. And Joe Manchin is from a state that has the dirtiest, as a, as it may, used to be its main product. West Virginia. West Virginia coal. Yep. The dirtiest of the dirty fossil fuels. So what Manchin is doing is <sighs> making a living representing big oil. He's the founder of Enter Systems, a coal brokerage now being run by his son. Yeah. His holdings of Enter Systems stock, according to his latest Senate disclosure statement, come to as much as $5 million. And his income in 2020 from them was either between, was between 500 and thousand and a million dollars and that's on top of everything else so this is this is his money is what we're talking about here when when the planet's going up so democracy has been held ca um, captive by this guy uh, the the green new deal some version of that has been held captive by him and now uh, the fed chair has now uh, been essentially torpedoed you gotta wonder him. what in the future would ever get to the point where we'll be looking at this guy. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to say Adolf Hitler, but he's going to be a, he's not going to be a popular figure, that's for sure. No. He's going to be a, a, a villain. I have no problem railing against Republicans who have been pretty awful on so many different policy issues. But Joe Manchin ranks right up there with the worst of yeah. The Republicans. The fossil fuel industry's distaste for Raskin comes from her view that financial regulators must incorporate global warming costs into their calculations of the safety and soundness of the institutions under their jurisdiction. In her resignation letter, Raskin said that the assessment of the risks of extreme weather driven by coal warming have not only been, been, are not only routine, but imperative for banks and insurers, farmers and businesses, and central banks across the world. Our military looks into this. They're factoring this into the equation, and so are all these other folks. But apparently the uh, Senate and Joe Manchin aren't factoring those things in. Any vice chair for supervision who ignored these realities would be guilty of gross dereliction of duty, said Raskin. Yeah. Instead of engaging in an informed discussion about the issues, Raskin said, Senate Republicans boycotted committee votes to advance not only her nomination, they boycotted that, but those of four other Fed nominees. Are we upset enough? Yeah, let's, do, let's read something a little bit more cheerful. Okay. You ready for it, Mahler? You ready to Yeah. That's right. From the Wall Street Journal. 200 employees at the Chernobyl nuclear plant have been working literally at gunpoint. Oops, I got the wrong story there. That's not fun. 
trying to keep a lid on a potential catastrophe ever since the Russian army rolled into Ukraine. Ah, yes. A single night shift that began on February 23rd is now 500 hours long and still going. These are the same same crew. 500 hours later. A single night shift that began, let's see, it's a skeleton crew of nuclear technicians that has been working under duress for nearly three weeks. One has what's three weeks now. One has a thyroid problem and needs med- medicine, and as do several with high blood pressure need medicine. So they're in there without their medication now. In, in the one-minute calls Russian soldiers allow workers to place to family members, they have told of extreme fatigue, dizziness, nausea, and terrible headaches. Well, they've been working forever. Yeah. There's no break. They're in charge now. One shift in, is in control of Chernobyl. The exhaustion is mutating into a rebellion with staff members arguing with their captors over the nature of Russia's war and staging acts of defiance now. Every morning at 9, the national anthem, Ukraine has not perished, blares through the loudspeakers. The Ukrainian workers stand, palms pressed to their chests, then return to work. So you have an odd little situation going on here. Their families, meanwhile, are running low on heat and power. They're not there. They're in the city outside trapped by Russian military encirclement around the atomic city, uh, known as Slavutik, where locals clang church bells or honk car horns to sound the alarm whenever warplanes approach. Slavutik was built specifically for the evacuated personnel of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant after the 1986 disaster. Their calls for a safe corridor to evacuate the exhausted Chernobyl workers and replace them with other staff are backed by Ukraine's government, but rejected by Russia. So in other words, they're stuck there. The pumps pushing new water over the spent nuclear fuel now rely on diesel generators because they cut off the power during the fighting. If the pumps do not work, a memo by a Ukrainian nuclear association official reads, the water in the pool may boil, which will lead to the formation of radioactive steam, followed by the melting of the fuel assemblies, which will lead to a severe accident. I wonder if this is some kind of trump card that Russia has over over Ukraine in these negotiations that are taking place. I wonder if this has been kind of waved what, around. What is a trump card? A trump card to say, we're going to let the reactor melt down, or, or some version of that if you don't capitulate to some of our demands. I don't know. Would would I mean the Russians denied what happened in nineteen eighty six for, for years as to what actually happened. I don't know that it, it would be beyond the pale for them to say, We will let this thing blow up if you don't do what we want you to do. Am I overreacting? Is that Well you you always think of well, I'm saying uh, if, if the Russians like are in a desperate situation, they apparently are not no, doing well in the battle. you asked me a question. Yeah. Are you overreacting? Yeah. And I'm saying, well, you do tend to look for the, the darkest side. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's all. I don't know if that's overreacting. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking at it as a possibility. It happens to be pretty dire and dark, yes. It could, it could be that way. I don't know. I don't know what's in Putin's mind. I don't know. No? I don't know. I suppose it could be. Seems like kind of a... a you know, how bad do you want to A nihilistic be? approach to the world, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. But, you know, we know Russians. They're not that way. <laughs> when has a Russian ever acted I mean, I'm willing to be, I'm willing to be uh, kind and uh, empathetic to the Russian. 
to the Russian people. Uh, like Arnold? He was kind to him. You see that address he gave the other, uh, yesterday? No. Oh, he has a little, he has a YouTube circulating now, and he's trying to get it out to Russian people, and he's Say, we, we love you. and Yeah, kind of you're yeah. being fed propaganda. Yeah. Don't, don't believe this. <laughs> okay. You know, that kind well, of well, stuff. Good for you him. Know. <laughs> From Reuters News Service. This, this will take it down a little bit. All right. This will keep All you. Right. All right. The U.S. Senate passed legislation that would make daylight savings time permanent starting in 2023, ending the twice annual changing of clocks in a move promoted by confused supporters advocating brighter afternoons and more economic activity. That's what they think will happen. Okay. And of course, it, I don't know if the afternoons will be brighter, <laughs> but there'll be more of them. Yeah. The Senate approved the measure. Just before I go on, it's all that strikes me about this is people think that they're actually changing time. That somehow yeah. time is going to change. Right, right. The sun's going to change. Yeah. You know, if you want more sun, <laughs> tell you what. You know, when the sun rises, get, get up. Get up and be there when it comes up. Yeah. The Senate uh, approved the measure called the Sunshine Protection Act. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, you're oh. unanimously by voice vote. <laughs> Uh, the Sunshine Protection Act, because they're coming for your sunshine. Uh, the House of Representatives, which has held a committee hearing on the matter, must still pass the bill before it can go to uh, Joe Biden to sign. Yeah. Yeah. The White House has not said whether Biden supports it. And uh, I understand that because it wants to keep daylight savings time in. And we'll get into that a little bit. But first of all, it's uh, Senator Marco Rubio is one of the bill sponsors. He's an idiot, by He's, the way. <laughs> Senator that guy is Marco, a stone I'm cold an idiot. idiot Rubio. Yeah. <laughs> he is a stone cold idiot. Right, but this is not. Uh, uh, he has a good intentions. I understand. Bill, I he may say. be, you know, he may be right about this. I don't know, but that guy is an idiot. Well, I don't think he is, and I think folks are kind of confused about this. And they're the and Rubio is probably reaching out for something so he can say, "I brought yeah. the Bart yeah. partisan act together." No, that's and fed, blah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I can work with anyone. Yes. Anyway, Marco Rubio said supporters agreed that change would not take place until November 2023 after input from airlines and broadcasters because okay. they got to get their schedules going and how this might affect them. Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. Confused supporters said that uh, the change would en help enable children to play outdoors later and reduce seasonal depression. Now, during all this discussion, nobody talks about, like, Maybe we should change, not have kids go to school so early. Yes. How about that? Yes. Yeah. They, lots and lots of studies that say that like 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock or something is the optimum time for kids to yeah. go to school. They've been up a while. They're alert. They're in better and better um, receiving mode, if you will, for educational purposes. The National Association of Convenience Stores opposes the change. Okay telling Congress this month we should not have kids going to school in the dark. And I understand that. That's good. I mean, I understand they want to make money off the kids. That's really what the concern is, because the kids, uh, you know, will yeah. just be going straight to school instead yeah. of hanging out at the 7-Eleven. Exactly. The House Energy and Commerce Committee held a hearing on the issue last week where Representative Frank Pallone, the committee's chairman, said the loss of that one hour of sleep... Well, you know what? Go to bed earlier. Jesus, yes. Yeah, it seems to impact us for days afterwards. Okay, when you set the clock back, but still, you accommodate that for yeah, that, you yeah, know? Yeah. 
It also can cause havoc on the sleeping patterns of our kids and our pets. Oh, for the love <laughs> yeah. of God. How about that, Mahler? How about you? So, no, I guess not. So when we do it, so somehow it's better when he, we do he it. He likes the, the time change. So for this Frank guy, so so, yeah. so it's better when we do it twice a year as opposed to not doing it again? What? What he's saying, he backs ending the clock switching, but has not decided whether to support daylight or standard. Okay. He's not so bad All right. as the All permanent right. okay. choice. I get that. A 2019 poll found that 71% of Americans prefer to no longer switch their clocks twice a year. Supporters say that not changing our clocks could prevent a slight uptick in car crashes that typically occur around time changes. They also point to studies showing a small increase in the rate of heart attacks and strokes soon after the time change. People are just stressed out in general. How about how about just not getting stressed out about this stuff? I don't well, know. So when we leap forward, or what do they call it? Yeah. Spring ahead, fall behind. Fall behind. Spring yeah. ahead. It is a little unnerving for a couple of days to be getting up a little early. I Why mean, don't, that because I think it's become it's framed that way, though. It's gonna. We're gonna well, lose you an hour. To be at work. You're gonna lose an hour's sleep. No, tell you what. Why don't you just tell people? Go to bed early tonight. I if you don't go to bed early tonight, you're an idiot because, you know, it'll catch up with you later in the week yeah. and, you, and you might hit a stop sign, you know, right, because right. you're not paying attention. Right. I, I, but it always is like it's, you know, it's we're causing this to happen. I know. This is the furrowed brow approach to governing, right? Everyone's yeah. got a furrowed brow over something as ridiculous as this. They're coming for your sunshine, Mahler! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's okay, Molly. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. We've been through this whole... <laughs> Shut up. We've been through this whole thing before. In 1973, during the energy crisis, in a November address, Nixon proposed making sunlight, uh, making daylight saving time permanent for the next two winters. Americans really liked the idea. Polling in November and December of 1973 showed strong support. 74% in a Lewis Harris and Associates poll and 73% in a poll from the Roper Organization. The policy was quickly implemented in early January 1974. We were actually doing this with savings time, but it just as quickly fell out of favor because people were idiots. In a March poll, just 19% from 73% when they actually experienced what they wanted. Be careful what you ask for. So 19% people said it, it had been a good idea, while as many as 43% said it was a bad one. This was poll was taken right after? Yeah. Well, after, well, after they'd been doing it for about six months. Okay. Yeah, uh, or less than that. Okay. Whatever benefits might have been gained by protecting our sunlight in the evening during the winter, not changing our clocks meant longer and darker mornings, or as we like to call it, unprotected sunlight. <laughs> Parents were suddenly sending their kids to school in the cold and the dark for months on end. The sun didn't rise before 8 a.m. in Washington for more than two and a half months be between late November and mid-February. The morning darkness would linger even longer farther north, although many sleep researchers today approve of ending the clock changes. They prefer the use of standard time. Okay. Mahler and I approve of everybody just moving to the equator. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. If it's the, yes, what you said. Yeah. Either way, let's just pick a side here, okay? Yeah. 
This week's Why is Dissident Chinese Artist Ai Weiwei Being a Jerk update is brought to you by UCI Women's Basketball. Mm. Tonight, listen to the Anteaters versus the UCLA Bruins in the first round of the Women's National Invitation Tournament at 7 p.m. Pacific Time on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. That's From, exciting. Yeah. From Indignity, this week, dissident Chinese artist Ai Weiwei used his Twitter account to retweet a message from an anti-Ukrainian account about how the U.S. is planting a hell of Pentagon biolaboratories all around the globe and in Ukraine and in Georgia in particular. This is Ai Weiwei, mm-hmm. who just posted a couple weeks ago a video expressing distaste for forced COVID-19 vaccination. This is straight-up Russian propaganda. That yeah, I he's an idiot. I don't know what's happened to this guy. Yeah, he yeah. seems like a smart dude, yeah, and then yeah. it's like he's... That that whole bioweapon lab thing is straight out of RT yeah. and Russia and all the rest of yep. it. Straight up. And finally, from CBS News, a man who was stopped by U.S. border agents at the San Ysidro, California border crossing with Mexico had 52 lizards and snakes hidden in his clothing. That's 52 of them. The man who was arrested was driving a truck when he arrived. When U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents had him step outside his vehicle, they found 52 live reptiles tied up in small bags, which were concealed in the man's jacket, pants, pockets, and groin area. Nine snakes and 43 horned lizards were seized. Was his name Kevin Stockdale? I don't know. That's a good point. It sounds like our, our, our the general manager of the station yeah. to me. Yeah. Kevin? <laughs>